everybody. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Date with Dateline. My voice is a little scratchy today because last night we participated in our very first live show with our friends, the Reality Gays. Well, it was their live show. They just invited us to be guests and it was so much fun. But now my voice sounds like this. Now my voice sounds like baby girl Lisa or <laughs> something. <laughs> Were you hooting and hollering? Yeah, I was hooting and hollering. <laughs> it was so much fun. Thank you to Maddie and Poodle for inviting us. We had a blast. Yes, we did. And their listeners are so amazing. So this episode is our first episode back from after people were slaloming. What is it called? I still don't know what you're trying to say. I think it's called slalom. Are you saying golem? Precious. <laughs> Precious. Let's go with luging. There, there were luging and horseback riding. I don't know what happens at the Olympics, clearly. Not horseback or snow horsing? <laughs> I don't know. Is that like with the big Budweiser horses, the Clydesdales? They, they clomp through the snow. It's great. Yeah. You get the golden galloping. The golden gallop trophy. I've learned nothing. I didn't even watch any curling. So my life is a waste. But we're back with Dateline on Friday nights. And it's very exciting. And we have a Keith. And this episode is called Echoes in the Canyons, which is also a Taylor Swift song coming soon. 2023, I feel like a Taylor Swift vibe. It is also a Mamas and the Papas song, kind of. No, that is Young Girls Are Coming to the Canyon. I think that's called Something in the Canyon. Might be Echoes. Echo, 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 echo. I got to learn how to do that better if I want that joke to continue through this podcast. You need to back away from your microphone. Echo, 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 echo. Echo, 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 echo. Like that? Oh, my Alexa just turned on. Isn't there something called echo? I have an echo, that's why. Oh no, people everywhere are furious with us because we just set off everyone's echo. 10 times. All right. I changed the name of my A because it was setting people's off. So I changed it to the E word because you can change what you call her. And so I changed it to the word that I was just saying. And so that's going to be going off the whole podcast. This is great. We are professionals. This episode is season 30, episode 15. It aired on February 25th, 2022. And as I said, hosted by our lean king, Keith Morrison. And he starts the episode by waxing poetic, as he does in voiceover, about the mountains and how they have secrets, but they won't give them up easily. You can look. You can bring an army to search if you'd like. The mountains look down from their majesty and give up nothing. Perhaps you know something. Perhaps you think you know how it will end. It's like, Keith, I don't know anything. Who who told you I know something? How dare you? I demand to see a lawyer. I know nothing, Keith. I'm glad you were indignant because I was very much like, yes, I do, Keith. Yes, I do know. <laughs> I do know how this will end. Thank you. Thank you for knowing that I know. I may have seen another show, a competitor's show on this same case, not even a week before. So I actually did know exactly how this would end. Oh, well, I didn't because I'm loyal. So let's just, we'll put that out there. I'd like to state that. <laughs> I try to like knowing what the competition is up to and to see that they're 
standards of television are way lower than Dateline's just to keep checking in that they still are not as good as Dateline. That's why I watch. So then we see Keith, we cut to Keith and he's leaning on the hood of a truck right out the gate. Just a lean from the get go, a get go lean. And we learn that this story takes place in Colorado, Mother's Day, 2020, the worst year of our Lord. A mother of two went for a bike ride and never came back. Her name was Suzanne Morphew and her husband, Barry. They moved to the mountains with their two daughters. That day, the girls were away on a camping trip and Barry was working at a work site 150 miles away. No one could reach Suzanne. A neighbor checked the house. Both cars are there, but no Suzanne. I don't know why both cars are there because he was at work. That doesn't make sense. Anyways, maybe I'm wrong. I think he has a work truck. They have three cars. Yeah, I think he has a work truck and then they both have their around town cars. Is my guess. Yeah. Did you see the size of that house? Yeah, it was a huge house. Yeah, I think they might have three cars. It must be nice. Barry asked the neighbor, is her bike there? No, it wasn't there. And she had taken up mountain biking. The neighbor calls the police. The police search around the property and they find her bike down an embankment not far from the house. So then we meet on camera, we meet on body cam footage, the daughter, one of the daughter's boyfriends who I judged, I misjudged. I thought he looked like a teenage dirt bag of wieners, but he turns out to be quite helpful. Yeah, but not until much later. Yeah, (laughs) right now he's wearing camo and he kind of talks like a surfer, even though he's in Colorado. And I did not have high hopes for him. Neither did I. I thought he was going to make fun of me. He turns out fine, but he's at the house looking for Suzanne. He's really trying to help. And Barry rushes home from his job site. He sounds a little frantic when we see him on the body cam footage. His voice is quivering a little, wavering. Very high pitched. And he says, was it a crash? Was it a mountain lion that got her? Okay, sir. It's not a mountain lion. Oh, I thought that. That was the first thing I thought was Mount, was Cougar. You did? Yeah. When the bike was off, I, in my head was like, should I Google Cougars? Would they go for something on a bike if they were that hungry? Would they leap out onto the road? That was my thought. Right. In this other episode of the competitor show, mm-hmm. the investigators say we knew right away it was a mountain lion because there would be blood. There would be some sort of carcass, there was nothing of the sort. Yeah, that makes sense. There would be rips of clothing off, you know, but this is not the first time that Barry brings a an animal that did nothing into the situation. He hunts quite a bit and does some very illegal hunting things. So he's already not my favorite person. They can't find Suzanne's phone, but her ID is in the car. Suzanne's sister, Melinda, hears that Suzanne is missing, and she says, I am not a profane woman by any stretch of the imagination, but I said three cuss words. I like her already. (laughs) I love her because of this. She was great. I did want to know what the cuss words were. I'm thinking in my head. I am too. I can think of two that you would say right in a row. Yeah, I can think of two. But three. Mm -hmm. I'm not getting there on the third one. Let us know in the comments below. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) In a creative way. (laughs) Barnyard expletive. (laughs) 
etc. Farnyard expletive. Yeah. A week goes by. Barry posts a video message on Facebook. We love you. We miss you. The family puts up a $200,000 reward. Everyone's looking for Suzanne. Then police do some digging into the history of the family. So they rewind to Indiana and that's where the family originally lived. Barry grew up being a local star. His sister said he was like Tom Cruise kind of guy. And I went, him? Okay. I think Tom Cruise in that time is what they mean. Yeah, no, I think that's what they mean. And I still don't agree. Tom Cruise, Top Gun era. But he was the hottest of the hot in like the Top Gun time. That was Tom Cruise was the one. No, I get it. I don't know if Barry was that. Oh. From the pictures we're seeing. Okay, I see. That's more my concern. Not that I'm not negating that Tom Cruise wasn't the guy. He was for sure the guy. You're not sure Barry was the Tom. You're thinking he was more the goose (laughs) of the Top Gun franchise. Okay, got it. Yeah, and I love a goose. I mean, I probably prefer goose. Who doesn't love a goose? Yeah. Yeah. Except that Barry would probably shoot the goose. (laughs) (laughs) We're back there again. So that's fine. So he had a cool car. He had money. He was a sports star. He was drafted by the Toronto Blue Jays, but was injured. I have a conspiracy theory. Not really. It's more of a social query. So I would be interested to see if people know anyone that had a crushing defeat in their professional career. Did they go on to murder someone? Although we have both had crushing defeats in our careers. (laughs) Hence this podcast. No, I'm just kidding. But we haven't killed anyone yet. That you know of. Yeah, that's true. I haven't killed anyone yet. There were those blackouts. Yeah. You're pretty assured that you allegedly have never killed a person. To my conscious knowledge. Great. I feel like you've covered your bases. That's good. Yeah. Suzanne was three years younger, very popular in high school. There was this other kid, Jeff Libler, a guy in her grade. And Keith says, you might want to remember that name. And judging by Twitter, most people did not. They didn't? I don't know why people are not following instructions when Keith tells them. You get out a pen and paper and you write down when he says to remember something. Jeff Libler. Remember it. Libler. Libler. It's a funny last name. I thought it was Lidler. It might be Lidler. It does ruin my best title. So okay. that's we're we're there now. Is it put a Lidler on it? It was close to that because titles were hard this week for both of us. So there we go. But I will say I was actually annoyed that he even said remember that name because I knew enough to know that if you're pointing at somebody pointedly in the episode that they're going to be important. Otherwise, you wouldn't be pointing to them. Right. Keith Morrison doesn't waste his time. An artist that practices pointillism. <laughs> it's George Surratt. Perfect. There you go. <laughs> Good one. I took history of art several times. <laughs> For some reason, it always came up. I had to keep taking it. I don't know why. That was in the one art class I took as well. And I really liked Sunday in the Park with George, if anyone's seen that musical. <laughs> I mean, Bernadette Peters. Yeah. Mandy Patinkin. What do you do? Oh, I love Mandy Patinkin. I know. It's just a winning combination. If anyone wants to just love Mandy Patinkin, there's a video that's viral of him on a 
morning talk show and he's finding out that one of the producers or somebody has to run off because his wife is having a baby. And then they keep trying to talk about Mandy's latest movie or Homeland or something. And he's like, well, let's talk about the baby. What do you mean? This is so thrilling. Like he's genuinely so excited for this person on the crew that is going off to have a baby. It's just so pure. He's a wonderful person, I think. Yeah, I think he is. I think he is. So Suzanne met Barry at a local golf club and they fell in love. At 20, she was diagnosed with lymphoma and Barry stayed with her and took care of her during her treatment and she recovered. He was the family's superhero, the way he took care of her during her cancer treatments. Remember that for later. Oh, see, I now I'm saying it now. I'm t- you're pointing to it. You're pointing your pointillism to it. There we go. Get out your pen and paper and your George Seurat. If you have one, I don't know if you have a lithograph or something. So they married, had two daughters. She was a stay at home mom and he worked in landscape and was very successful. Hence their beautiful home. You have to keep talking about the home because the home is just a, it's a dream house, right? It's a mountain dream house. Yeah, it is. And the, well, this is the house in Colorado. They're still in Indiana. So I shouldn't have even said, forget that I said the house is beautiful. He loved the outdoors, hunting and trapping. More on that later. And they were very religious. God was in the center of their lives. Whenever they say that on Line, God was most assuredly at the fringes of their lives, completely kicked out of their lives. Yeah, that does seem to be the case with Dateline. Dayline doesn't mention God unless people are doing things against God or in the name of God, things God would not want you to do. God is looking down saying, I did not tell you to do that. That is sadly accurate. When their oldest daughter went to Colorado for college, they moved there to be near her. Things Joni would do for $500. Things I would not have allowed. Well, I mean, it's not that I could have stopped it. I would have stopped it if my parents had done that. They would have tried had I not gone to college an hour away. And even that was too far. That's love. That's that's obsession. It's love. That's a Dateline episode. Some people would love to have that love. Stop it. Did I just ruin it for you? Yeah, a little. <laughs> Sorry. No, I would be annoyed. It would, I think I would love to have that. I think it's rare to have a kind of family where they never say that the daughter was annoyed. I think that they just had a really solid family unit where she was like, okay, great. I can do my laundry at home. You know, that must be really nice. That sounds lovely. And I was a brat and be like, mom, dad, you're embarrassing me. I'm trying to assert my independence. I've more than made up for it. I tell funny stories about them on a podcast. So, okay. So they moved to Colorado in the most beautiful mountain home I've ever seen. Yeah. This is the home I'm talking about. This is the home. It's stunning. They tell us the price of the home, and it was much less than I thought they were going to say. Let me put it that way. Yeah, but we're from California. It doesn't matter. It's just the size of it and the land. I think he said $1.5 In my head, I was like, that's a $20 million house. And I guess I don't know anything. But it, to me, it seemed just like a resort. It looked like a hotel. Yeah, absolutely. It was so beautiful. Around this time, Suzanne's cancer returns And then we never hear about it again. She goes into remission, they say. Do do they? They do. They do say briefly, Keith tells us, that 
when she went into, it wasn't remission is not the word used, but it, it does say when the treatment was done. It, it leads us to believe that she was not currently suffering from cancer when she went missing. Yeah. Good. Okay. So they moved there and she went missing about two years later, I think by the timeline. Two months after Suzanne's miss went missing, Barry's friend Troy comes to visit and Troy believes that Barry is the greatest guy. And he watched how upset the kids were and how Barry was. Barry wouldn't sleep in his and Suzanne's bed. He was suffering greatly. More on Troy later. Suzanne's brother, Andy, was getting frustrated with the local police. He arranges a search party. I love the search party. And this was a big search party. And they were all like hiking with hiking sticks and backpacks. So it combines my love of search parties and hiking the Appalachian Trail. Except that it's just the saddest reason. I know. I don't know why I love it so much. It's totally inappropriate. It's the organizational part of it that you love. You've been very clear. I love the grid searching, but I love the community coming together. Yeah. For a good cause to find someone. Yeah. For a good cause. I love that. Plus, everyone's getting fresh air. Suzanne's siblings were extraordinary, right? Can we agree that Andy and Melinda both seem to be great humans for the most part in this dateline? Yes. 100%. Yes. So this search kind of reignited interest in the case in the media, which is always good because it puts pressure on the police that weren't doing very much right now. Barry spent days talking to the investigators. He interviews with pretty much everyone without a lawyer, we find out later. So he's trying to be very helpful. And they say to him, the, su- the husband is always a suspect, so we have to look at you, but we don't think you did it. It's just a good thing to say to a husband when you do think he did it. Isn't it? Unless they really didn't think he did it. I don't, that was hard to tell if that was a play. It's a good play. Yeah, it is a good play if it's a play. Can they do that? Of course. They can tell you, we found your DNA on their body. Oh, that's right. We found evidence. Yeah, that's right. They can lie up a storm. At least in this country, they can. In England, they can't, I believe, which is good. Is it good? I don't know if it's good or not. It leads to, I think, false confessions a lot of times. But sometimes they catch people in that way, too. I wonder what the percentages are. Again, we're back to the percentages game. (laughs) We do not have all the the stats in front of us today. I'm sorry. Our statistician is on a break, (laughs) a permanent break. They left us. So we're just flying by the seat of our pants here. We're trying. One of another many professional disappointments was losing our statistician. There we go. Add another tick to the board. (laughs) So Keith says, over time, a slow, steady drumbeat of suspicion echoed across the Colorado canyons. Suspicion, 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 suspicion. How was that? I think it was good. Also, my you know what went off again. Sensitive. Troy, the friend, is very well-meaning. Yeah. Troy has never watched a Dateline before, which is fine. Troy doesn't really believe that people are not being truthful and he believes that everything is fine when everyone tells people tell him everything's fine in a marriage. That's fine. Troy did not know about the true crime community. And this is in 2020, the true crime obsession that has taken this nation by storm for the past five years, 10 years. When did Serial come out? 
10 years, I want to say. I want to say 10 years. I want to say I want to say 2010, but I don't know. It was probably later than that, but I don't know. So Troy was unaware of that. It's just not his thing. I know. I just sports are not my thing, but I am aware that they exist. You keep saying some word that I think is not a word about the Olympics. Slaloming. Slaloming. Salaming. Echo, what is slalom? Yes, ma'am. Tell, okay, tell us what she said. Thank. Okay, thank you. Echo, thank you. Baby goes to sleep now. Good night. She's very chatty. Like, she doesn't just say thank you. She just said thank you. Happy to help. She's bored. She really wants to chat. It, it's a downhill race of some sort, I think, on skis. I wasn't really listening to her, to be perfectly honest. But she did say a downhill race. Oh, brother. Okay, so we still don't know. Anyways, your point is proven. You don't know sports. Troy does not. Is just not a true crime guy. But he's not really aware that it exists, is my point. So he's shocked by the true crime community, the armchair detectives or citizen detectives, if you watched Yellow Jackets. Troy does not know about this. And unfortunately, he finds out the hard way how brutal and intense the true crime community, the armchair detectives can be. And I do not approve of this at all. They are sending Barry hate mail. They think he's a murderer and they're basically calling him a murderer. Not okay. Barry and Troy are at the park and Troy sees some teenagers giving Barry lip. I hate to break it to Troy. Those teenage bags of wieners did not know who Barry was. They are just doing that to everyone they see. Yeah. Every adult in their sight line is getting lip about their pants, their hair. And other teens. Lip is given all around. Mm-hmm. One armchair detective. This is insane. Again, not okay. I love the armchair detective community, but this is way too far and not appropriate. Drove out from Arizona and confronted Barry outside his house and recorded it and put it on YouTube. That is harassment. Yeah. That's not okay. You're not being cool by doing that. You're not cracking the code. He's not going to confess to you and you're going to catch it on camera. All you're recording yourself is you being a jackhole. Yeah. So take it down a notch. Sometimes armchair detectives do great work, like in the documentary Don't F with Cats. Mm -hmm. They did an amazing job. Sometimes it goes terribly wrong, like in the documentary The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. Mm -hmm. Also, I just realized I watch a lot of documentaries about true crime. But that's a surprise to no one. It's fine. You are part of the true crime community. You are solidly in there. I am. But I don't really try to solve things. I don't do deep dives on Reddit or anything like that. But it's okay if you do. It's okay if you do. I think that there is, everybody knows there's a line. And the line is definitely way, way, way before driving out to someone's home and confronting someone who you think could have possibly hurt someone, but you have no actual proof of, and you're not involved and you're not a police officer. I think the line is approaching or reaching out to anyone in the family. I think the line, again, is far before this. You should not be considering this unless you have direct knowledge of something that can help with the case. Talk to your friends and your community, but without solid evidence, you should not be reaching out to police. Just don't interfere with what's happening. And this is an interference and that's a problem. 
Yes. People were taking pictures of Barry at Walmart, posting the pictures of him eating and going to Walmart on Facebook. Again, this proves nothing. This proves that he likes lower prices, whatever Walmart's catchphrase is. Isn't it something like with the the little happy face? Yeah. And then it gets cut. It's going to come to me. Press on. I don't know. Anyways, that's all Barry. That's what all that proves. Doesn't prove anything. You're not going to like see him buying bleach or anything. So take a step back. And even if he is, that doesn't prove anything. No, it's also now been months since the disappearance. So Barry tries to help his case by showing the public his love letters to and from Suzanne to say, see, now the public pressure is getting to him. And then he feels the need to defend himself in the public court of opinion and shows these personal letters. He goes on the local news saying how much he loves his wife. She was the light of his life. Six months pass. There's no word from the investigation. People are even sending mean messages to the daughters. Again, so unacceptable. Stop. Stop. But now some of Suzanne's family members have doubts about the brother-in-law they loved. Remember, he was their hero before because of how he took care of Suzanne when she was sick. He never showed up to the big search party. They thought that was very suspicious. And he didn't show up at a candlelight vigil. And they were starting to get angry at him at this point. But I have a thought about that, to be honest. It seems very much because Andy, the brother, is extremely pointed about it publicly that he's not there. Mm -hmm. George Surratt. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think he and Andy had a terrible relationship. Before. You think before. Or definitely now when this is happening. I think that he didn't come because he was worried about what Andy was going to do. And I think also if he's getting death threats and getting like hate mail upon hate mail, you wouldn't want to do that. So I think this is kind of a double edged sword. I don't know if this shows, oh, we just didn't care that she's missing. I don't think this is the same thing. I think this is there's other stuff why he didn't show up. It looks terrible, but I think in his head at the time, it might have been the better alternative for him to not go to that. No? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Suzanne's sister tells investigators that their marriage was not as great as Barry was saying. There was an imbalance of power in the relationship. Barry's great heroic behavior during her cancer journey kind of indebted her to Barry And he was always in a position of power over her. He was in control of decision-making, money, and Suzanne lately had wanted to take back the power. The sister says that Barry was a hunter and has animal heads all over the wall. And we see so, so many animal heads on the wall. Suzanne was a trophy to Barry and she wanted down off the wall. That was such a good line. Melinda, that's real good. Melinda, did Keith give that to you or did you come up with that yourself? Because that was very good. Yeah, Melinda's got some good words in her. She waxed poetic. Mm -hmm. She thinks that Suzanne pushed for the move to Colorado to try to reset the relationship. And she had hinted to her sister at big problems in the marriage, infidelities. And her sister, always amazing with words, said, if a man is unfaithful in Indiana, he'll be unfaithful in Colorado. And Keith says, truer words were never spoken. Two very poetic people just waxing back and forth. Yeah, it is a little bit. Sort of like us. Like us, did you say? I may have said that and then immediately wanted to take it back. Totally. It's it's exactly like us. Yeah. Same. 
Troy, the friend, had no idea about any problems in the marriage. But Troy also did not know about citizen detectives. So I have questions about Troy. Is he Barry's best friend? Yes. Okay. Or one of them. Yes. Okay, but not. Okay, so maybe. It seems like he didn't have any in-depth conversations with Barry. Agree, but that could just be like a man friendship. It could be, but I'm just wondering how close they were, I guess is my thought. Yeah. Could be Troy thought they were very close. Maybe Barry did not keep maybe kept him at his arm's length. It's hard to know. We're reading into a lot of this. We have to because we, yeah, we just don't know. Hmm. In May 2021, the one year anniversary of Suzanne's disappearance approached. Dateline has been going back and forth periodically to check on the case. And on this particular trip, right as they're coming into town, someone from Dateline gets a text that there's an announcement being made about the case. The announcement is Barry has been arrested and charged with murder in the first degree. And I think everyone was shocked because the investigators had said nothing about the case up until this point. No one even knew if they were working the case. Prosecutors show a video, it's body cam, and it's the bag of Wiener's boyfriend who's actually not so bad, the the boyfriend of one of the daughters. Macy, it's the boyfriend of the youngest daughter, the not the girls that's at college, the girl who's still in high school, yeah. So, and he is just credited as Macy's boyfriend on Dateline. When it says his name on the screen, it just says Macy's boyfriend, maybe because he's underage and they didn't want to name him. I don't know. So he is talking to the police and they ask him, did Barry and Suzanne get along? And his dad says, you can answer. It's OK. I thought that was a very sweet moment. The dad says, you you can answer honestly. Just very good for his son, because the son looks at his dad like, I, I don't know what to say, because obviously he had talked to his dad about it already. So that was cute, right? Mm-hmm. I liked it. He says they've had some problems, normal husband and wife things. And the police ask if they had talked about separating. And he says, yes, they have. So things are not peachy. So Troy did not know what he was talking about. I don't know why I'm going so hard on Troy. I'm so sorry, Troy, if you're listening. You seem lovely. No, Troy doesn't know. Troy just doesn't know. And so it's just, it's not his fault. Investigators find texts from Suzanne saying, I wouldn't feel safe alone with Barry. Okay. She texted Barry, I'm done. I couldn't care less what you're up to and have been for years. We just have to figure this out civilly. And this is four days before she disappeared. So work this out civilly for sure sounds like they are breaking up. Divorce, yeah. Divorce. Two days before she went missing, she said to her sister, he's been abusive. Okay. Barry says he never abused her. But a prosecutor who isn't involved with the case and is acting like a legal analyst for the Dateline because he has read a lot about the case. I'm obsessed with him. His name is George Brockler. And he has a way with words. He says... You have to have a lot to allege that a husband has murdered his wife. You have to have a good motive. And it can't just be, hey, honey, dinner's burnt. Ooh, talk about traditional gender roles in this marriage. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little, it's all right. The motive they believe, the prosecutors believe, was that she was leaving. So he hunted her. Mean that, and it's terrifying. He it makes all of our jokes about hunting the most dangerous game. Just very sad because it was kind of true. So here's what they have on Barry. The day before she vanished, 
his phone was pinging all over the house in a suspicious way. To me, it seemed like he could have just been walking around the house, but they think he was chasing her around the house. The problem was at the time that it was pinging in the suspicious ways. On the second watch, I caught it more. It was like at 4 a.m. that his phone was pinging. It was at 4 and 5 a.m. No, that's after he loaded his car. The time was pinging in the afternoon when he got home from work before his phone went on airplane mode. Okay, I misunderstood. Never mind. There is damage to the master door frame. There's an unspent bullet casing in the bedroom. And there's a tranquilizer dart gun in the house and a tranquilizer dart cap in the dryer. We find out on the other show what he used the trank guns for. And it's just incredibly disturbing if you're an animal rights person or an animal lover. Can you just tell us it has to do with hunting, correct? Kind of. He illegally would tranquilize the deer around the house to cut off their antlers while they were sedated. And then he could because he collected them. Well, what's weird is that deers shed their antlers. So why are you cutting them off? They shed them naturally in the woods. You would find them. He just didn't want to go find them. He wanted more and now. Yeah. Well, that's unfortunate. He might have sold them. He has stacks on stacks on stacks. No, I have a box of antlers, but they're all the shedded ones. And you can tell because they have knots at the bottom. Does that make sense? It's like a hair coming out of the root. The difference between a hair coming out of a root and a cut hair. So he just didn't. He just didn't wait. It was just impatient. I don't understand. Well, I'm sure they he wanted as many as possible. And he saw no harm in performing surgery on these animals. It also seems like a ton of work, to be honest. It's a large animal, I guess, is what I'm saying. So that seems more like a, a definitely a hunter type thing where you just like to hunt. So you're not killing them. You're just sedating them and taking their antlers. But it seems like a sport thing more than you're collecting antlers. It seems like a power thing. It's not fun. It doesn't make him incredibly likable. No, it does not. But I don't know. I see we're not in the hunting scene. Maybe that's really common. I've never heard of that before, though. I don't know. They definitely said it was illegal. Well, because they come off. It's not like you can't. Do you know what I'm saying? It's not like the tusks of a walrus. The tusks of the walrus, the walrus has to be gone, you know, to get them. But like the, the antlers come off naturally. This doesn't make any sense. Because he can. Yeah, that's a bummer. So another legal analyst with very thick sideburns says that they believe he shot Suzanne with the trank gun Mm. that he normally used to sedate deer Mm. before he killed her. On that Saturday, so this is the Saturday before Mother's Day, Barry's phone was put into airplane mode for eight hours during daytime hours, which is very bizarre. Between 3 and 4 a.m., the electronic sensors of his car showed that his truck doors were opening and closing many times. That's the thing that was happening in the early morning. The truck doors were opening and closing. And his phone is on airplane during that time? Yes. And the 
other show focused a little bit more on how they use this new car technology. If you don't have cell phone pings, you can actually use a lot of the computers that are in cars technology. So you can tell when the brake is pushed. You can tell when it's put in reverse. You can tell when the doors or the trunk are open and closed at what time. That feels like it's going to be super helpful coming up. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. And so it interviewed this guy and that's kind of what he specializes in is like using this intricate car data. I love that. That's really cool. Yeah. So he drove to a job site early, early morning, 150 miles away. And on his way, this was, his cell phone was back on at this point. It stopped at five different locations where there were dumpsters. So the first legal analyst that I love, George, says, okay, once or twice, okay. Maybe the first dumpster was full. You go to the second one. But five times, that's ridiculous. I have to agree. Is there video of him at all these dumpsters? No, there is not. So we know that the, are they just literal dumpster sites? Or are they like a place that also has a dumpster? I, I don't know. That's a good question. Do you know what I'm saying? Could this be gas stations? Maybe a mix, like a, outside of a McDonald's or something. Yeah. Right. Like where there also happens to be a dumpster or are they full dumps? Because I saw they had video of a couple of the dumps, but I'm wondering, I don't know. Sorry, I'm playing devil's advocate. I'm curious. I think with the cell phone pings, they can tell pretty accurately where they were. If it was like a big parking lot and there was a dumpster there that his car, well, because for the cell phone that was pinging all over the house, they could tell the different locations he was at in this huge house. Which again, isn't that weird if it's in isolation, right? Right. But they were ping. I think they were pinging so fast in different locations. It would have been like he was doing laps around the house. There we go. So- Speaking of dumpsters, are there things in your life that are in the trash? Is your relationship a dumpster fire? How about the most important relationship in your life? The relationship with yourself. Because while Keith is off leaning on trucks, who are you leaning on? Yourself. Our sponsor, BetterHelp, can help you treat yourself as well as you treat others. BetterHelp is online therapy offering video, phone, or even live chat sessions with your therapist. So if you're a little camera shy, you don't need anyone to see you on camera if you don't want. Sometimes it's easier to open up if you're not looking face-to-face at a person. Mm -hmm. I'm going to look away from Katie from now on so I can open up more. BetterHelp is more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy. I'm a huge proponent of therapy. I'm working with my therapist on feeling my feelings. Like when I saw all of the deer memorabilia in this episode, I felt sad. (laughs) I'm still working on analyzing some deeper emotions, but I've landed on sad right now. By dedicating that time every week to therapy, it's reminding myself that I can show up for myself and that I matter. Do you matter to you? Yes, you do. Oh, please contact BetterHelp today to start living a happier and healthier life. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and a date with Dateline listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash Dateline. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash Dateline because we can all use a little better help. Thank you, BetterHelp. 
And while you're working on yourself, there's one thing that can be a real self-esteem killer. I'm talking about your skin. Have you ever had a breakout come at the worst possible time? I've talked often about having a breakout on my wedding day. It's like a breakout on your wedding day. There you go. Thank you, Alanis. I have not talked about, though, that I had a breakout the first date I had with my now husband, Oliver. Mm. Yeah, the first date. I almost didn't go on the first date because I had really bad chin acne at the time. And if you've ever experienced that, it's something that you want to just cover the bottom half of your face all the time, but that actually makes it worse because you're just touching it. And if you have makeup on, it just rubs it off. It's a disaster. But somehow my personality shone through my chin acne and Oliver was able to see (laughs) that there was a good person underneath the skin. But look, we've all had struggles with our skin and that's why we are so excited to tell you about Apostrophe, who has helped my skin immensely over the last couple of years. Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed oral and topical medications that are clinically proven to help clear acne. Apostrophe connects you with a board-certified dermatologist who will create a personalized treatment plan that is perfectly tailored to your unique skin. All you have to do is fill out Apostrophe's online quiz about your skin goals and your medical history. You snap a few selfies and your dermatologist will create a customized treatment plan just for you. Apostrophe treats all kinds of acne, from the chin acne that I was talking about, hormonal acne, chest knee, back knee, and butt knee. That's right. They treat breakouts literally from head to toe. I had really, really bad hormonal acne later in life, cystic acne, not just normal acne, really bad. And I thought there was no hope for me until I found apostrophe. And I was put on an oral treatment plan with a topical treatment to address the skin texture that had gotten really bad. We were having years of deep cystic acne. That's what happens. My experience with apostrophe has been second to none. So nice to know that I've had a real dermatologist and that my plan is tailored to me. Didn't need to schedule an appointment. All of the things that I had tried to do before, all of it I did over my phone and I was on my skin path within a week. It was great. Apostrophe is just a really quick way to get some help with your skin with a real dermatologist. And we have a special deal for our audience right now. You can save $15 off your first visit with an apostrophe provider at apostrophe.com slash date dateline. And then you use our code date dateline when you sign up. $15 off. This code is only available to our listeners. Just go to apostrophe.com slash date dateline. Click begin visit. And then use that code date dateline at sign up and you're going to get your first visit for only $5. It is the best $5 you're ever going to spend because it's time to put a period at the end of your skin troubles. Thank you, apostrophe. Thank you, apostrophe. So the more evidence they have on Barry, I'm just trying to think of a good word, suspicious behavior, let's say. We don't know if it's evidence. He went to a Holiday Inn after work with employees because it was an out-of-town job that they were all staying at. And he's seen on video carrying bags of something in and out of the hotel. Okay, that kind of proves nothing. Another coworker stays in his room after him and said that it smelled like chlorine. So they think he was cleaning up something from the crime scene in the hotel. I feel like that's the weakest thing they have. Yeah, it's not great. 
if there's a pool at the hotel, maybe he just went swimming. And if you know pools at hotels, they're so filled with chlorine. I mean, it's the most chlorine at a hotel pool. Mm-hmm. The first legal analyst that I love says the prosecution is saying the reason there's no forensic evidence is dude covered it up at the hotel. <laughs> I can't express how much I love this legal analyst using words like dude. I'm so glad he touched you. I mean, not in a bad way, in a good touch. That's great. I love him. He should be on always on TV, on all the TVs all the time. I want him to be a legal analyst in every episode of Dateline. He should present himself to ID Network and just say, I'm here. I'm a legal analyst. I say, dude. I'm hip. Because they keep contradicting him with, there's the other legal analyst with the bushy sideburns who's saying the most straight-laced things and you're barely listening and it's just monotone. And then they cut to this guy who's like, dude, covered up the evidence. (laughs) Makes me laugh. He's got a sassy tude. Yep. Honey, burn dinner. What you gonna do? Kill that lady. So Barry still is supported by his family and his friend Troy because Troy never saw any problems in the marriage. Keith tries to tell Troy, maybe Suzanne and Barry had some big, dark secret that no one knew about. I'm Keith Morrison. I host Datelines. I know this. And Troy says, guess that's why they call them secrets, which was a good line. I will give that to Troy. And he does seem to be open to the fact that he does not know everything about their relationship. He does. But he still seems to be in the camp, well, I never saw it, so it doesn't exist. And that's a dangerous thing, especially if there's abuse going on or things like that. You don't want someone to be like, they were nice to me, so they obviously couldn't be capable of this. He's going to be in that camp for a while. He's not leaving that camp. He pitched a tent. Yeah, he did. He's going to die on that hill. That sounds bad. During the preliminary hearing, the prosecution says that Suzanne was so suspicious that Barry was cheating that she bought a spy pen. How many of you Googled, how can I buy a spy pen after this? I thought that was sort of old technology. I was surprised. This seems like something that would have maybe in the 90s. Oh, they've had them around for a long time, but maybe this episode will make a resurgence. And the pen looked nice. It does look nice. The problem is not a lot of people use pens anymore. So what you need is a spy phone or something that people always have on them. Most people don't have a pen around unless they're a legal analyst that says, dude. Well, well, what does he do? We don't actually know what he does. Is he a contractor? He works in landscape. He's like a landscape contractor. Oh, that's right. He's the landscape guy. So he works at big sites. So he would carry a nice pen in his pocket. I don't know if he'd carry a nice pen. I feel like he might carry a Bic. This was like a pen that you would get for your bar mitzvah or if you were a lawyer and it sat on your wooden desk. I'm going to disagree with you. I don't think under any circumstances he carried a Bic. I think he's a nice pen guy. The man who has everything and lives in this beautiful big home. There's not a lot of like fancy gifts you can give someone like that if they're like maybe they're into cigars maybe, do you know what I'm saying it's kind of a hard thing yeah a nice engraved pen and then the pens the really nice pens are so expensive so they become like a luxury thing that you want to pull out this really nice weighty pen when you're getting someone to sign a contract or something it, 
it's a status thing. And he's, Barry seems a little like he might like that kind of stuff. I can see that. I also want to give you props, not just for that observation, but for how well you are pronouncing pen. Because I know that it's a word that you have struggled with in the past. I am making a concerted effort that I do it right. You did it so well. Normally, if you've been listening to our show for a long time, she says pin. And it's a little confusing because you don't know if she's talking about like a safety pin. But she did such a good job there. Thank you. Thank you very much. It sounded so weird coming out of my mouth. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. In my head, I was like, oh, this sounds like I'm saying this with a weird accent. No, it sounded normal. It sounded so normal. Well, in my brain, it didn't. All right, press on. (laughs) So detectives go and get this pen and they download all of the audio on it. And they find incriminating evidence on it. But it wasn't of Barry having an affair. It was Suzanne having an affair. Dun, dun, dun. I'm shocked, except that we had knew about Lidler. Right, because Keith told us, remember that Libler's name. Remember Lidler. So we knew Lidler was coming back. But I thought Lidler was going to be like, maybe he'd gotten into trouble. I don't know. I had a whole thing in my head of what Lidler was going to be. I was dead wrong. Right. Our legal analyst friend, George, tells us this is as ironic as rain on your wedding day to buy a spy pen to catch your husband having an affair. And then after you go missing, the police realize it actually exposes an affair that you were having. That's irony. Suzanne had reconnected on Facebook with an old high school friend. You might remember his name, Keith. Says And then we're like, yes, well, I did. You told us to. I wrote it down. Also, this is our second Keith in a row that we have covered involving a Facebook rekindling. And I'm starting to think that Facebook is strictly used for spreading misinformation about COVID and for middle-aged people having emotional affairs. Is that accurate? Memes. I've seen memes. People do memes on stuff. Funny animal memes, period. I've seen bunnies, stuff with bunnies. Yeah. Okay. Animal memes, COVID misinformation, middle-aged people having emotional affairs. It sounds like a wonderland. Jeff is now married. He is a father of six. A father of six? Sorry. Father of six? Okay. All right. Yeah, father of six. Interestingly enough, and they go into this more on the other episode, he never came forward. After she went missing, the police had to track him down because they didn't really they only knew from the audio on the phone that like what his first name was. So they had to do some digging to find him. Where does he live? I want to say back in Indiana, but I'm not sure. So he lives in another state for sure. He does live in another state. Okay, got it. Yeah. So he never came forward. When they find him, he has erased all of his social media accounts where he talked to her on it since her disappearance. That's bad. It's not good. He says he didn't want to tarnish her memory, but we all know the real reason. He thought he'd be a suspect. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't want his wife to find out he was cheating. So I think they were more selfish reasons than he's saying. But he is helpful to once the police track him down. He's helpful. He gives his DNA. He gives them his phone. He has an airtight alibi. 
So it's not him. The legal analyst, George Brockler, who I love, says he was shocked by news of this affair. And I did appreciate that because I don't like when they act like they knew it all along. You know, I like that he's kind of one of us. He's like, I was shook it. I think he would really be tickled that you were such a fan of his. You should reach out and tell him. I think you did a great job. Yeah, I should find him on Twitter. It would make him feel good. It's just normally we have the really, no offense, some very stuffy, uptight legal analysts and lawyers on Dateline. And so when we get one that has a personality, especially one who's not involved with the case, a legal analyst is basically like just a gossip. Someone getting paid to do the gossip on a case. No, with a little more knowledge than your average bear. They went to school to gossip. A knowledgeable gossip. There we go. Right. They went to school to gossip about law. And I do enjoy that. Jeff and Suzanne, they had an affair that lasted two years. They met up six times. I don't know how she was pulling this over on Barry. She sent him nude photos. He sent her nude photos. And they even talked about running away together to Ecuador. No one knew about this. The day before she went missing, she's still having the affair. This is the Saturday. She and Jeff exchanged 59 messages, which was more than usual. She sent him a picture of her smiling, sunbathing outside the house. She wrote that she loved him. And he said, do you want to strip down and get naked? And she said, okay, I'll go to WhatsApp. And then, so this is around 2 p.m. She writes to him, okay, I'm on WhatsApp. And I thought WhatsApp was for teens. I think any app like starts for teens and then turns to adults cheating. I thought WhatsApp was for foreign phone calls. I don't know about things. Yo, you're right. You're, yeah, no, you're right. Because when my friend went to Australia, I texted her through WhatsApp. You're right. It's also for affairs though, I guess. I, I didn't know there was video capability. Literally, I didn't know. So they are on WhatsApp. At this point, Barry texts her, I'm on my way home. And she doesn't write back. He arrives home shortly after that. No one hears from her after this time. So one could wonder if he caught her. Yeah. If she was in the middle of WhatsApping and didn't see his text that he was on his way home. Something happened because right when he comes home, his phone is pinging all over the house like he's chasing her. And then his phone goes into airplane mode for eight hours. Something happened. That's not good. They can't prove if Barry found out about the affair, though. That would be the huge motive. Although she was maybe planning on leaving him. So that's also a huge motive. But we don't know why yet. We've heard no financials on this yet. Right. As the legal analyst says so eloquently, why it would be a huge motive. I've been having an affair with another guy for a couple of years and we've been doing it all over the country and you had no idea. He says... Doing it all over the country and you had no idea that would give Barry a motive for murder. But Barry's defense says Barry didn't know anything about the affair. So he didn't have a motive, although he knew she was planning on leaving him because she had said, let's handle this as civilly as possible. The defense says that the train gun looked like it hadn't been used for a long time, maybe months. The cell phone pings, they say were because he was shooting at chipmunks who were all over the property. So this is the chipmunk defense. First, you came for the mountain lions, and I said nothing. And then you came for the chipmunks, 
And I say nay, sir, because I love a chipmunk. There are many outside of my house. They might be squirrels. I don't really know the difference. A chipmunk is very small. A squirrel is bigger. I think it's more about the tail and the ears. I've looked it up. But I don't know why you're shooting at chip. Are you shooting at chipmunks again for sport or because they, what did chip, I'm assuming chipmunks do things like eat things that they're not supposed to eat. What did a chipmunk do to you, Barry? We don't know. And you're going to get letters from people who say chipmunks do this. That's very destructive. So I don't know what chipmunks do. Where I live, they're adorable. The only thing they do is they taunt Ginger and she obsessively, the dog obsessively tries to chase them. But once she kind of reaches them, she kind of slows down a little. It's like they're playing cat and mouse and they hover on the tree three inches above where she can jump and they just squeak at her, flap their tails. Like it's this game and it's hilarious. Ginger can do it for hours. She just sits there staring at them and then she'll pounce. Chipmunks and squirrels taunt cats and dogs. They taunt the cats outside. Yeah. I don't know why else he's shooting them. Maybe they do steal food. I'm not sure. But he said they were a nuisance. Maybe they're loud. If there's like 60 of them in a horde of chipmunks, which sounds like an adorable horde. I don't know. This is what I'm saying. It's like you're somebody out there has had experience. Wait. Okay. This I do have to ask about. Echo, what is a group of chipmunks called? Okay, I don't even know any of the words she said, but let's go with scurry. It's called a scurry. A group of chipmunks is called a scurry. Okay, okay, thank you. Okay, thank you, Echo. So he's chasing scurries of chipmunks all over the house, shooting at them. That's why his cell phone was pinging all over the place. He's said they were a nuisance to him. No one else seemed to report chipmunks being a problem or it seemed like he had not talked about this previously, but that's what he says. The defense pulls an expert that says that the cell phone pings data can't be trusted. So they have something to counteract every single one of these points. The door frame that looks like it's busted in in the master bedroom doesn't prove anything except that someone at some time tried to force that door open. Well, I'd like to know more about that. Right. How badly is it broken? Why was someone, you're, the defense is admitting at some point, someone tried to forcibly break into the master bedroom. Break into the room, not get out, break in. So that's important. Okay. Let's discuss that defense. Why are you acknowledging? I would think they should say, oh, it's a different kind of damage. That's not what that's from. That's from like moving furniture. And, it, you know, don't admit that it is from someone trying to force the door open. It also could be a very simple explanation, like the door locks on the inside. So the lock was flicked. You close the door on accident and then you couldn't get back in the room and didn't have a way to get in. And so, you know, it's not a key door. It's one of those ones with the little knob. So you had to bust the door. It could be very simple. He was loading his truck for work early in the morning, and that's why the car doors were opening and closing. The five dumpster runs, this one makes no sense. He always was disposing of trash because he does landscape construction. So that was just part of how he operated. He would just constantly be dumping things in dumpsters. However, he wasn't doing construction along that drive where he would be like picking up new things, dumping old things. It was just a drive to work where he stopped five times to put things in 
dumpsters. That does not make sense. That's frustrating me. We still don't know if he's putting things in dumpsters or not. Do we know that there were five bags of trash, five different dumpsters thrown in? Or do we think two of those stops are a coffee and the other one's a bathroom? He's driving 150 miles. The defense is acknowledging that they are dumpster drops. So somehow we know there's video or some sort of surveillance of five times he's going to different dumpsters. What in the world could be in those bags? Right. And did the police go and search those dumpsters or was it too late because they were maybe not as on top of this as they should have been? There's something in those dumpsters because that is drugs, not drugs. It's always drugs. It could be. I don't know. What what else would mean you'd need to split it up into five dumpsters to not be traced? Right. Exactly. Tax papers that are very old that didn't shred completely. I don't know. If I was a landscape artist, oh my gosh, you could put stuff like tax papers underneath the soil and then plant gardens on top of it. No one would ever find it. You can also just shred it and pour Diet Coke on it. That works too. You could. That also is a good plan. But mine was like more creative, I feel like. It is. Yours is very creative. But then someday someone would dig it up and steal your identity after you're long gone. It'd be great. (laughs) (laughs) The hotel room that smelled like chlorine was, as Katie said, above the pool. And the hotel used a ton of chlorine as most do and it made the hotel room smell all the time the hotel staff said it would smell all the time and not just that day so that means nothing there were towels in the room they said there were wet towels in the room i have a high probability here chance that barry went swimming and so there are also towels with chlorine water in the room right they have no body they have no blood but here's another big twist This is a huge twist, like Suzanne having an affair. There is some DNA. Yeah, this is big. It is. It's huge. There is DNA found in Suzanne's Range Rover that belongs to not Barry, not Suzanne, a partial match to an unknown man who is linked to three unsolved sexual assault cases in Arizona and Illinois. So this is when we need to do that DNA testing, the hereditary one, to see if that DNA matches anything in the genetic. The genetic one. We need to do that one. Well, I don't know if they have already, whoever the police are that are working these three unsolved sexual assaults. I don't know if they've done that or not. Mm. Probably not. Let's be real. Maybe. I mean, most of the time, I feel like they save that technology for murders, sadly. The defense tries to say that the prosecution tried to hide this DNA. The prosecution says, no, they didn't. But it does give the defense reasonable doubt, like a huge amount of reasonable doubt. Enough that I would not be surprised if this might be dismissed. Right. It's big. Or if it does go to trial, I mean, that just is huge reasonable doubt. Did she come in contact with a sexual predator of some sort at some point? Or is there an innocent explanation like he's a mechanic or she got her car washed and he works at a car wash? There's other ways that could happen. The sexual assault that this DNA is tied to happened in two separate states. Arizona and Illinois. So the person is not tied to one location. Someone traveling around. So someone who's 
maybe working on the from the landscape company, something. I mean, maybe it's time to look into his employees, see what's going on. But more weird than that, it's in her car only, right? They found it in the passenger side of her car? I think so. I don't see someone going as far. That house is out in the wilderness is what it looks like to me. I don't know if there's other homes around. It seems strange that unless he is somehow connected to Barry or the family in some way, that he would get all the way out there. Or is this something that his DNA got in the car somewhere in town? Right. If he did take her, he took her. She, we still don't know where she is, but he was in her car at some point. But her car was found at home when she wasn't. So he was in her car, but then took her in his car. To me, obviously, you know how I feel about coincidences and the fact that she was possibly getting divorced from him and cheating on him and sent him a text four days before saying that essentially we are getting divorced and he's a hunter and all of the other things. I obviously think it's the husband because statistically it usually is the husband. But this is huge reasonable doubt for a jury. Yes. This is a problem for the prosecution. Yeah. So Barry is going to trial. He's let out of jail on bail. His daughters are still standing by his side. His lawyers are trying to get the case dismissed. Right now, the trial will start later this year. So this is one of these datelines that they usually wait until the case is completely solved, rested, trial is over. They did not do that this time, which maybe means they're going to keep following this case. It's very unsatisfying. (laughs) And that's why they usually don't do it. But they felt like they wanted to do it this time. So it's very interesting. But right now, trial later this year. We're going to get a few more episodes. One for sure, possibly two. We'll see. I hope we get a lot of trial coverage. I love the ones that are really heavy trial coverage where we get to watch like almost the whole trial. Those are fun. I do if one of the lawyers is really terrible and entertaining. But what if all this stuff comes out? We don't know. Because we know that Barry had infidelities or allegedly that's what we're told. So where are his women going to come forward? I don't. I'm very curious. I feel awful for the girls. Yeah, it's terrible. I feel bad for Suzanne's family, everyone. B-roll bonanza. So many drone shots. It's beautiful, though. A hundred different ones. I liked every one. Yeah, Colorado is gorgeous. Really is. Wow. We have Keith walking down the street with Troy Mm -hmm. doing a walk and talk, but we're just seeing the B-roll. We're not hearing what they're talking about. Oh, so many deer heads. I counted 11 on the wall in one very small room. Yeah, a lot. George Brockler, my favorite legal analyst, walking down the street. He got some B-roll. Good for you, George. So did Melinda. Melinda, the sister, Suzanne's sister, also walking down a street just with cars and on a sidewalk. So we got three street walking. That sounded bad. Street. It does. But what does it mean? Why are we just walking in this? We don't have people sitting. Normally we have people sitting, staring out of windows, drinking a coffee, etc. We had people busy. What are they trying to tell us? That's what I'm trying to get at. What's the message? Take a walk on the wild side. Walking away. From the truth. From justice. I don't know. Walking towards justice. Walk a mile in their shoes. There we go. I could go with that. Walking on sunshine. Walk the walk, talk the talk. We could just keep going with this. But yeah, anyways, there it's a lot of walking. Yeah, that's all I have for B-roll. 
Did you notice they do show us a lot of pictures of Barry and Suzanne and something interesting that I've noticed. If I did not know anything about this case, I sort of felt like maybe she was unhappy. Weirdly. It's something about the smile not being in her eyes in some of the shots. And then in a lot of the pictures, he's placed slightly in front of her. I did notice that there is a black and white photo where it looks like he's closing a door or standing in a door frame and she's behind him. And it would have been really easy for him to take his other arm and go around her. It's not the only one, though. There's a couple where he's slightly in front of her. Yeah, which is so interesting, given what the sister said about their relationship. Doesn't it? It feels, yeah, it feels weird. A fashion police? I did not love when Barry got out of on bail. He's wearing this flannel shirt and I couldn't tell. And I rewound multiple times if his flannel shirt was unbuttoned to the mid torso or if he was wearing a very flesh colored tank underneath. I did not notice that. That's all I have to say about that. This Barry's sister, who we didn't really talk about, I believe her name is Mary. Melissa something. Yeah. She has very blue eyes in her interview and she's wearing a blue shirt that is making her eyes look even bluer and she's doing that blue eyeliner thing. Oh. Where you do the blue eyeliner right underneath in the waterline to make your eyes look bluer. Should I do that? Yeah. I keep trying to get you to do it. I'll do it. I've done it before. I've gone through phases. It's sort of fun. I sort of like the way it looks. She was interesting. Something that she said, by the way, I had a quotable quote from her. She said that Jeff Libler, the Liblers of the Libler fame. It reminds me a little bit of Bob Blah Blah from Arrested Development. It does. Libler. It's really fun to say it rolls off. It makes your lips pucker a little. Libler. Yeah. Bob Blah Blah's Law Blog. <laughs> she said he's from a good family. The Liblers were a good family. Yeah. What does that mean? I feel like that's very subjective. Does that mean that the parents were still married? Does that mean they had money? Does it mean they went to church? All of the above. What is a good family in your head, Barry's sister? Yeah, that's kind of a loaded statement. And also, does that mean that he wouldn't have an affair even though he has six kids? I don't know. Also, it is interesting that in some of these episodes, someone will have an affair. And then a lot of times we're like, oh, and done it. No. And then Suzanne has an affair and it's just treated very, you feel differently about it because of what we're told about Barry, which is also why I find it very interesting that, well, we do get his sister who is combating things that are being said about Barry. I wish Barry had come on. I really do in this case. I think it would have really helped, especially if Barry seems to have some charisma I would like to have had an interview with him. His lawyer must have told him not to come on, is all I can think. Maybe next time. Because I feel like it would have helped out. Because even though we had his sister pretty voraciously defending him, it almost wasn't enough still, right? I don't know. It still came off like, you maybe did it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to happen here. Yeah. We'll see. I don't know if he did it, to be honest. There's some definite weird stuff. So I'm 50-50. That DNA in the car killed me. I know, but his phone went on airplane mode for eight hours during the day, right when he got home and no one saw her after that. Which is why I need him to come on. Give me the reason because I have also set my phone on airplane mode when I'm turning on Wi-Fi accidentally many times. Mm -hmm. So is that what happened in an inopportune time? But we need to know that, you know? Also, when was her phone last pinged? Do you know? 
at the house when she sent that message to Jeff saying, I'm on WhatsApp. But why couldn't they find the phone? Then it went dead and was never found. The phone is missing. Yeah, they never found her phone. That's weird. The phone was probably turned off and put in a dumpster. One of five. You're right. There we go. Yeah, I have questions. Yeah. Many questions here. Oh, boy. Okay, no answers. It's just a lot of circumstantial evidence for me. A lot. It is. I know it's going to be too much for you. I'm still on the fence for the next episode. I'm waiting. Okay, that's fair. Waiting, waiting. All right. Do you have, because what else could have happened? You don't have an alternative theory, do you? The alternative theory is some random sexual predator came across her and left his DNA in her car, but somehow took her out in the woods and then planted her bike or somehow was in her car, then followed her home, then attacked her when she was on a bike and then took her body in his car away. That's what the other theory would be. In trial, I am looking forward to the bike expert or multiple bike experts coming on the stand to tell us the damage on the bike. Does it look like there was a crash? Does it look like someone just threw the bike down the mountain? I need experiments. I need to know. Mm -hmm. Bike science. Bike science. Titles. Nothing good. Mine are not good. Let's switch off because if we're both bad, that'll help lessen the hurt. Somebody's lion. It's a mountain lion. Oh, for the mountain lion. There you go. Hunting for the truth. Great. Absolutely. Kate, now this one doesn't work because you pronounced pen correctly. Oh. Pin a tail on a murderer. Hey, it kind of works. Because I was so sure you were going to say pin. It still works. It still works. What about spy pen and telling secrets? I was trying to get somewhere with pen and teller. It didn't, wasn't good. Oh, okay. It wasn't good. <laughs> Oh, dear. Oh, brother. That's not bad, actually. I'll take that. It's not good. Well, I had keeping it under the Lidler, but that doesn't. (laughs) It might be Lidler. It's not. It's Libler. So we'll do Libler and slander. Okay. (laughs) That's it. What else? Okay. The spin cycle. Because. Oh, yeah. The bike. And. The dryer where the trank gun was found. And this is what lawyers do. That's an A-plus title. I think that might be the winner on this one. That was really good. Winner, winner, winner. This is really good. I wanted one of my titles to be a word, but said with echoes. It was really good. Dear, 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 dear. I wonder why they did call it Echoes in the Canyon. Well, I don't know what else they would have called it because none of these are good. So they might have had a hard time too. Yeah. (laughs) Nobody knows what happened. It's bad. It's really bad. Do you have any more? No, that's it. That's all I got. And then the greatest trophy. I don't know what I was trying to do. I was trying to do one with trophy. I even cheated and looked up sayings with trophy in it. There aren't a lot of sayings with trophy in it. That's a little bit a chance for Kaylee. It's really close. It's a hair, but I tried to slip it in really fast and then move on. See, I tried to distract you that it wasn't, you know, I tried. Dang it. You caught me. It was, <laughs> I keep trying to slip in my serious titles. It's not good. Oh, gosh. Okay. Also, I have to say a chance for Jeffrey because he's our Patreon and he loves it every time I say it. So every time I'm going to say a chance for Kaylee, I'm going to turn it into a chance for Jeffrey. A chance for Jeffrey. Yeah. 
thank you guys, everyone, so much. Check us out. I don't know when they're dropping. This episode comes out on Wednesday, but I'm not sure when Reality Gaze is dropping it. But we were at their live show last night, as we said, and they are going to be releasing the audio of it on their feed for free. So follow the Reality Gaze if you're not already, because they're hilarious and they're our friends. But if you want to hear us at their live show, our first ever live show, ah, please check it out. Yay. And check them out anyways, if you love things reality TV. Exactly. They're very funny. Extremely talented and hilarious. Yeah. And they sing. They are like musical. Okay. One is a life coach and one is a therapist. And Jake is a trained voice coach as well. So he trains singers and they're both theater people. So they've done a ton of theater and their live show is like, a sh- it's like a comedy set mixed with a variety act, I would say. It's fantastic. With raunchy. Oh, beware. It is not rated PG like our show is. NC-17. <laughs> yeah. Not for the weak of heart. Yeah. Buckle up. So fun. Thank you again for having us on. We had absolutely the best time. Anything else? Do we have any other announcements? We have no other announcements except both of us are fools. And let's go with this title. Sunday in the Canyon with Barry. <laughs> we did it. That's it. There we go. I love it. It's, it's all pointillism here. And if you have no idea what we're talking about, I'm sorry. It is a musical about a painter <laughs> named George Surratt. Is it a little obscure? I don't know. I feel like it's pretty famous. No, I think I've heard of it. This is for our musical theater peeps. There you go. That's for you. Yeah. In re- honor of reality gaze. Yeah. There you go. It's all full circle. I like it. I love it. Thank you. Thank you guys. Follow us on social media and check out the reality gaze. And thank you again. Be your own trophy. Trophy. There we go. Nailed it. Bye, Bye everybody. everybody. They still talk about when I was a Subway sandwich artist in high school and they came in and I was very mean to them because they were embarrassing me. They still talk about it to this day. I was embarrassed when my parents came to the kiosk where I sold incense in the mall. (laughs) I was embarrassed. I was like, oh, I'm cool. I'm selling this incense. I don't know what it is, but I'm selling it. Can you tell my parents that so that they stop rubbing it in my face that I was mean to them that one time when I was 16? Yeah. Do you want me to write a letter or send an email? A carrier pigeon. Just a call. Just all of it. All the information. Telegram. Inundate them. (laughs) Was also mean to parents. Stop. Yeah. Kimberly is a good person. Stop. Stop. She is sorry. Stop. (laughs) They need to like let it go. It's been a long time. So and I'm nice now. Come on. There we go. Yeah, I didn't. I don't know things. I just joined TikTok. We really need to know these things. Once I join something, it's usually over. I have come to realize that. Yeah. I am the person where they're like, oh, Facebook's over now. It's all adults, boomers doing stuff. Like I am that boomer that teens are annoyed with. Maybe so. Have we done anything on TikTok? No, I just follow people. Dateline followed us back, which is hilarious because I must have commented on one of their videos. They're our friends. So they followed us back on TikTok. And I don't know if they're hoping for TikToks or not. We probably should get on it. I don't know how to do it. I have ideas, but the thing is, they all seem very time consuming. And so I might need a social media guru to help me out. I can handle Twitter and Instagram thus far, but. But TikTok is a bridge too far. I understand. It's 
beyond my capabilities right now. I had an idea for one. I tried to like look at what the trending TikToks were and I had a great idea for one. But honestly, I gave up two minutes in. Understood. I'll try again. It's one day when I have a lot of energy. Or maybe I could try to help. I know it involves a video, right? Yeah. Great. I'm halfway there. 